Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone today, any of our guests today. If you're a guest today, we welcome you. There are a number of folks, too many to start naming, that are uh, were at call to war this past week that are still here today. And so we say a special welcome to you. Glad to have you in service with us today. It's also good to have Brother Brandon Foster's mother visiting Maryland and in service with us today. And it's good to have Brother Stu Mott's mother, Sister Sarah, in service with us today. Amen. Amen. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service. Pray you're blessed by it today in Jesus' name. Before I preach, I got a, I got a quick presentation to make. The last couple of months, I've gathered these up. This one is from North American Youth Congress. It says this is that. This is from the She's for Christ theme, Cover the Earth. I just think you need to make sure that you've got these in your collection. So, I don't know if you got that Youth Congress one or not, but all right, you do now. So, amen. I appreciate Brother Barr, all that he does. Brother Barr has used to lead one of our Sunday morning daughter works. And the thing I always appreciated about him then that continues now is he's not one of those people that only participates when he's in the limelight. He's a worshiper. He's no offense to anybody else, but he's, he's the best supporter when you're preaching. And uh, I appreciate him. So I... I just, I just felt like you just had to have those, Brother Barr. So, again, it is great to have Brother and Sister Shelton in service this morning, and I we welcome Eliana and Erica and Malachi. This is Malachi's first trip to Antioch. Amen. And I realize the majority of the time he'd have the microphone if he was here, but I do believe I have something from the Lord this morning. And as I said already, he will be ministering in the service tonight. So I encourage you to come back and be a part of that service. I, I thought I had, uh, over a week ago, I thought I had direction for this service this morning and uh, felt like I knew what I was going to preach, assuming we got to preaching. But yesterday afternoon, the Lord completely changed that. I, I have, uh, if you're a guest today and you're not really familiar with us, you'll have to, hopefully the person that invited you can explain what I mean by all of this. But I, I have a, at least a dual role, if not more than a dual role, but at least a dual role in that I am responsible for leading this ministry here on Sunday morning. But I'm also the elder of what we call Antioch Central. 
And so I have a responsibility not only to be led of the Lord to lead you, but then also to lead the, the, the bigger part of this. But this morning I, I, I'm here with a burden as for us. And uh, also, most of the time, Sunday mornings, a, a message is pretty much directed to individuals. This morning, it's more so to this group of people as a body, even though I do believe there will be plenty of individual application to it. But I, I believe the Lord wants to. There, there really is. I, I, I feel like sometimes we say things and they become sort of trite to us. But there really is something that is, that is moving and working. And God is doing something. And I am, I am excited that God is doing something amongst us here. Not just Antioch Central, not just Antioch, not just the body of Christ, but here. And I believe that I am among a group of people that want to be a part of that. I'm going to uh, read a lot more than normal. So once again, I'll make a deal with you. You stand while I read a few extra verses, and then I'll let you sit down, and I'll keep standing. So is that a is that an okay deal? I want to read to you First Kings, actually the entire chapter of verse nine, chapter nineteen. I'm going to start with verse one. Before I, before I start reading in this chapter, I want you to know. Some of you already know this. But the, the chapter before this, chapter 18, is where a very notable thing in the Bible happens. It's where the prophet Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal. They meet on Mount Carmel and, and the prophets of Baal spend hours and hours praying to their God that he would rain fire down on this sacrifice and, and it, it never happened. And then Elijah is about to now pray to his God. And uh, before he does that, he asks them to pour 12 barrels of water on this sacrifice. And there's a whole lot of uh, important or, or significant parts to, to him doing that. But uh, bottom line is, you know that, that wet wood, wet stuff doesn't burn very well. But... He had them pour 12 barrels of water on there. Another part of that was water was rare at that point, and so he's wasting what was very precious. And, and so then he stands there, and, and we don't really know this one way or the other necessarily from Scripture, so if you'll permit me, this is how I kind of imagine it. I, I really don't envision Elijah yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs, frantically that God would send fire down from heaven. I, I really imagine him just kind of standing there and, and just very calmly speaking to Jehovah. And all of a sudden, fire falls down from heaven. And, I mean, that's a pretty amazing incident to be a part of. I mean, I, I, I've never experienced personally anything quite like that one of the one of the most amazing stories in all of scriptures and so I, I want you to understand that's what's just happened when he 
begins to experience what he's now experiencing in chapter 19. You would would think he would be like on this great high. Let's take over the world. Let's go take over the world, man. We... If we just did that, if God just did that, then there's no stopping us. But you'll find a very different scenario. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and and came to Beersheba, which, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. You've gone from Mount Carmel to calling fire down from heaven to now you're asking God to kill you, let you die. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and Behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a crust of water, a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went all and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the Mount of Olives. Surely now, surely now he's once again revived and full of faith and excitement but let's read on he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and behold the wind of the Lord the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him what doest thou here Elijah and he said this is you gotta you gotta imagine I'm not gonna do it you gotta imagine this in one of those kind of crackling whining voices I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thine prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But... The Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thine prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Israel, and 
Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abelamahola, or whatever, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And then God answers his pity party and says, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah says, everybody but me, God, has forsaken you. I'm the only one left. God says, I've got 7,000. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. This probably won't make much sense right now, but by the help of the Lord, by the time I get done, it will. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. It's time to move from the mirror to the window. It's time to move from the mirror to the window. Father, I thank you for your presence that is in this place. I thank you for your presence that I've felt here today, but I also know that without a feeling, I also know that you're here. And I thank you for being here. I thank you for every person that's here today. I trust that every one of us, God, is here in your divine plan and purpose I pray, God, that your word would minister in this place today. I know that your spirit has already ministered in this service this morning to hearts and lives. And so I pray now that your word would continue that ministry. That you would speak to our hearts today. Let our hearts, Father, be good ground for the seed of your word today that it might produce in our lives. God, I trust you today for your anointing. I depend on you in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is one of those days that Brother Vernell Spriggs Jr. likes, I think. Got me some object lessons. I, will, I don't think I'll ever outgrow my youth pastor days. Of course, I got a pretty good example in object lessons because God was the originator this is if you got little kids this is a great time consumer you can put a toddler or an infant in front of a mirror and they will entertain themselves Maybe not literally for hours, but for a while. The more they begin to walk and then they get into those dress-ups, they, they like to get in front of the mirror 
and watch themselves. There's probably not a young girl that at some point has not, I'm not going to do it, you'll just have to imagine it, that hasn't twirled in front of the mirror like a ballerina, imagining who she is and what she is. I've, I've watched, I've experienced in my own house as there's, there's something, you know, it's one thing to pretend you're fighting. It's just something else about being in the mirror, man. It's something about watching yourself in the mirror as you're punching and kicking and fighting. Just, it's, it's, so there, there, there's, there's a, there's a while that the mirror is a, could basically be kind of a place of entertainment. But you see, there, there's kind of this change that takes place. And the older we get, the more our focus in the mirror narrows. The less it becomes about imagination and the more it becomes about what I can see in the mirror. The problem with the mirror is it focuses either on what is or more often than not what has been. I, I, I used to... I was... And now I am. You <laughs> See, the, the problem with the mirror is it becomes all about me. The focus of it is me. And then, and then the problem is the longer I look, the more I focus on me, the next thing that really starts to happen is I, I begin to see the flaws. I, I just recently, I, I've got on, on, on on both sides, I've got these great little diagonal creases. I mean, I get the horizontal ones, right? I know where that comes from. But I now have these creases. These, It's like, I think it's two on each side. <laughs> and it dawned on me recently where I got that. And it's, I don't know what to do about it. Because I realize I got it from sleeping. Because when my head's on my pillow, this pushes up. And I mean, they're, they're deep. I mean, it's like somebody took a little knife and cut a little indentation. I mean, you, you grab yourself with, you know, you push on your hand and, and you leave a mark, but it, it, it goes away in a matter of moments usually. But man, these things, they're there. I guess I could medically try to do something about them, but I don't have, I, I got four kids. My money ain't helping this. It's about me. Elijah goes from Mount Carmel to now only seeing himself. 
only seeing his circumstances, only looking at what he is dealing with, and he starts a pity party. That's a great place for the pity party to start, is in the mirror. Hi, I'm all by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to, I'm, I'm, I said I was here to preach to us as a body, but I can't help myself. I'm preaching to some people that you're living in the mirror. Oh, not me, brother, right? I, well, I'm beyond that. No, you're not. No. It's kind of funny. There have been some times where, where, where my wife has gotten dressed, you know, and she'll, how does this look? And, it's one of those moments where I was smart enough to not say, fine. Good, looks good. But then I'll see her a few minutes later. Next thing I know, she's in the closet changing. Because there was something she saw in the mirror. You, you, you see, nobody that I know of has ever really sat Daydreaming in the mirror. You, you, you don't you don't sit and dream in the mirror. A lot of us, the older we get, the more we try to avoid it. Let me just make sure I got everything basically in place, and then I want to get out of that because the more I look at that. And, and so we have a tendency to live in the reflection. Elijah, how do you go? How do you go from this? <laughs> Where fire, what a supernatural thing. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes a sacrifice. Consumes. It didn't just consume the sacrifice. It consumed the altar. The Bible said it licked up the, I mean, it was, it was major. You would think he would be ready to take on the world, but, but the queen says, gets a message to him. And now all of a sudden, the focus becomes himself. It comes about his circumstances, his life. It comes about what's going on in his world. What is it that I see? What am I? What new thing am I recognizing? I had an interesting experience some point in the not too distant past. I was around some children that were playing I spy. And one of them says, I spy something gray. We're all looking around, and there's others there that were guessing. And finally, after much guessing that was incorrect, they said, your hair. No offense to any of you brethren, I am not complaining the least bit about gray. I don't care what color it turns. As long as it won't turn loose, it can be whatever color. And 
my wife seems to think I'm, I get better looking with the more gray I get, so come on, gray. <laughs> but you ever, man, I, oh, how about that first time you discovered that first one? <gasps> Never forget one time, we're going someplace, we'll, we'll get there, go for a little Sunday, we're just, in the words of the man of God in the back, we'll be, we're just meandering a little bit. I remember one time my mother, this was too many years ago to try to remember. My mother, we were sitting at the dinner table and somebody was telling a story. No, I was, that's right, I was telling a story. And as I told it, I reached the point and at the perfect point, my mother kind of goes, and I'm like, yeah, really? I mean, yeah. but I noticed as I moved on from that point, she was still, oh my goodness, you've got a gray hair. Isn't it lovely once you get the first one? Uh, you're now on the road, man. It's see, there, there's some, man. There's some. I, I, I'm, I'm 45. I'm 45. I'm 45. I'm 45. 45 for three more days, I think. <laughs> Let me say that a little bit long. 45. 45. Five. 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 Saying that last night, I said, yeah, next month. And then I'm like, oh, my word. <laughs> next week is next month. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that now. Oh, I do know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be 46. I'm about to be 46. You would think at 46 you'd be good with all this. 46. I, I cannot, I cannot. Lord, please get this in the right context. Please. I can't stand my hair the way it does. I want it. I want it. I'll take it as is versus. I, I remember when I was, when I was about 14 or 15 is when we, we, they went through this phase, man, we're parting your hair down the middle. Oh, man. You got, you part your hair and you got kind of, you know, these feathers on this. Do you know how bad it looks when you have a calic? My hair can be a, an eighth of an inch and it's going to lay down to the side. And I, I went, I look back and I look at some pictures when I was like 14 or 15. I'm like, first of all, what was I thinking? Second of all, I thought my parents loved me more than that. Because when you part your hair down the middle with a calic. All it does is look like a really bad part. I mean, the guys that don't have the calic, I mean, it's it's symmetrical, right? It just flows. When you're, it's you look. I'm like, what in the world? I, I've gone through multiple hairstyles. I'm probably not done yet. That, that's what I. See, that's, that's how I perceive me. And the longer I look at that, I'm like, oh my, what, really? What, what is that? I'm preaching to some people this morning that you are so overwhelmed with your life because really this is kind of what your life is all about.
But you just keep looking at the mess. That's the, that's the focus. Look at, look at what, uh, look at what happens in 2 Kings 13. Verse 14, Elisha, the one that we read about that the Lord told Elijah to go anoint to be the next prophet. 2 Kings 13, verse 14, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. So this is, he's now sick with the very thing that's going to kill him. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bows and arrows. And he took unto him bows and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow, and he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Now, stay right there on the screen if you would for a moment. Don't don't change that or go off of that yet. Joash has come with a focus on the present tense. He is focused... It's kind of cool. See all y'all. He's come focused on the moment. He's focused on what he sees in the mirror. And what he sees in the mirror is the man of God that I've trusted in and depended on is about to die. But the prophet says, I, I want you to get an arrow and a bow and, and, and he put his hand upon it and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hand. So you've got the king who's now has the bow and the arrow. And now the man of God puts his hands on Joash's hands. And the next verse, if you would, says, He said, open the window eastward. Open the window eastward. My wife's out of town. Hopefully she's not watching. I got to get this back on the mantle in place properly before she sees. Who would have ever in a lifetime thought that a cracking, broken window would become the centerpiece of a mantle? Amazing. Thank God for Pinterest and Joanna Gaines and all that other stuff. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? You are a blessed person. <laughs> Open the window. And I want you to shoot. And as he shot, he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. 
Joash, instead of focusing on what's going on in this room and these circumstances, I want you to change what you're looking at and what you're looking through. And instead of seeing where you are and what's going on and how bad the present circumstances may be, I want you to get a glimpse of something beyond where you are. I want you, instead of seeing the reflection of where you are, I want you to see the possibilities of where you can go. I don't want you sitting around any longer looking at a reflection in the mirror of what is and thinking about what has been but I want you to get your eyes on where it where you can go on what can be on what the possibilities are I guess I'm giving away the punchline but I've come to tell Arnold this morning it's time to get rid of the mirror forget about where we are forget about what we've been through forget about what we can see a reflection of But I believe today there is a window that God has positioned for us. Instead of looking at where we are, let's look at where we're going. You don't daydream in the mirror, but you do stand or sit and look out the the window and daydream at the possibilities. I know what's here. I know what I'm facing right here, but there's something out there. There's something beyond this. This may be where I am, but this isn't where I'm staying. That's where I'm going. You know what's interesting is you can see, if you get in the right position, you can see a reflection of yourself in the window. But you know what? I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to work to see myself in the mirror. All I got to do is get in the mirror and it's me. There I am. But, but if, I, if I need to see myself in the, in the window, I've got to really work to make the focus me. I gotta, I gotta try to find the right background so, so that I can see and then, and then I can see myself if I want to. But there's also, you know, there's a big difference because when I, when I get here, I can't see past me if that's my focus. But even when I'm looking in the mirror, in the window, I may see myself. I may, my reflection may catch my attention, but I've got to really focus on me because my mind doesn't doesn't want to dwell on the reflection. My mind wants to look beyond because I see my reflection, but there's something else out there. Don't sit here, Joe Ash, and be depressed and discouraged by what's going on right here, but I want you to look out there because there's something out there beyond what you have here. you're looking at today looking at the mirror of where I appreciate y'all going through all that work to get that board but I, I, I want them to see through so I know you love me brother Johnson you won't you you'll forgive me for all that work you went through and I won't use it I better not break this I won't be going home until I go by the 
antique store. I was going to say the junkyard, but I... Nah, now let, me, let me just clarify. I'm making all those comments because I have no problems or issues with what my wife does. And I love the way she decorates. I appreciate it very If I didn't, I'd keep my mouth shut right now. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, we got to make that gray hair worth something. <laughs> let me just let me give you a couple quick examples here. I'm gonna try not to go much longer, but I'll give you a couple couple examples of. The Bible tells a story about Naaman. Naaman was captain. What was he? Captain of the Syrian army. They had taken a little Hebrew girl captive and made her their, their servant, their maid. I got to tell you, the Bible, if you read a couple different translations, it refers to her as a little girl. I don't know exactly how old she was. I, I haven't ever been able to find a, a real good determination of her age, but she was pretty young. Let's just say maybe, let's just, let's, I think we'd be safe to say, let's say somewhere around early teens maybe. you know how easily she could have gotten herself focused on the circumstances she was in? I've been taken from my family. I've been stolen from what I know. I've been forced to serve in the house of a stranger. I've been forced to serve in the house of the one who's responsible. Directly responsible. She could have stood there and focused in that mirror when she heard about her master's issue with leprosy. She could have focused on herself and thought, you know what, good for you. You think I'm going to help you when I'm in these circumstances? But the Bible shows us she did something besides look in the mirror. She decided to look through the window. And she says to her master, I know. I know where you can go and get that taken care of. I'm not going to sit here and be bitter and resentful of my circumstances, but I'm going to look beyond where I am and see what the possibilities are. And the Bible tells us that Naaman went to the man of God and was completely healed. Man, it's easy to get caught up right here when things are going bad and things are not going good in life and things, you just got the diagnosis from the doctor or your boss just laid you off. It's easy to get caught up looking there when what God wants us to do is look here. I know most of you think you need your circumstances to change, but I'm here today to tell you that all you really need is a perspective change. If you would get a perspective change, it wouldn't matter what the circumstances you are in are. Well, I don't know about that, Brother Wright. 
Well, let me just give you what my go-to example is. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I, I got to seeing what was going on in the lives of the ungodly. And I got overwhelmed by it. In fact, it almost became too much for me to bear. My steps had almost slipped until I got into the sanctuary. When I got in the presence of God, what happened there? Did everything in your life change? Did all the problems you were struggling with change? No. Here's what happened. He said, I got in the sanctuary and I understood their end. I realized that what they have now is not what they will have then. And simply by a change of perspective, instead of slipping... He got his footing back. And like Paul said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. The Bible tells us the story of the good Samaritan. Jesus tells, I guess it's a parable, but he says a certain man. My understanding is that when he says something like that, it's not just a parable. He's referring to something that happened. It says a certain man, Luke 10 30, a certain, and Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side because he was too busy looking in his mirror. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side because he was looking in his mirror see the, the significance of these two men is if anybody should have had compassion to stop and help they should have had in fact the priest knew the law of God and according to the law of God in the Old Testament you can find in two different places I know of where the scripture says if you see your you're, you're, if you see somebody's animal, if you see their donkey wounded, struggling, help them. I mean, it kind of goes without reason. If he's going to tell you to help an animal, <laughs> you ought to help a human. And the Bible says they both passed by on the other side. I don't know. I wonder what they were seeing when they passed by. I wonder if in their mirror they were seeing, you know what, I, I look pretty good compared to him. Unfortunately, it's not always a negative opinion of ourselves we see in the mirror. Sometimes we see an inflated opinion of ourselves. There have been, been a couple times I have to acknowledge, there have been a couple of times I've, I've put an outfit on, and even as a grown adult, I've been kind of like, man, that, that, looks, that looks pretty good. I mean, the, the focus is usually from here down. That, that looks pretty good. I, I don't know if they were so caught up in their religiosity that they didn't have time for him. Or perhaps they were so focused, focused on their own needs and problems that they didn't have time for him. 
didn't want to be bothered by his needs when they had their own needs. But then Jesus says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. What's amazing is the two guys that you would have expected to have done something that knew what they should do, they passed by him. And then, and then this, this Samaritan, and the significance of that is, it's pretty clear from this story that this man that was laying there was a Jew. He had come from, he was a Jew. And, and as we know from scripture, we know from Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, that even, that the Jews and Samaritans did not mix very well. And so the religious that should do something pass by and do nothing, but the one that you wouldn't expect to do something is not focused on himself and his own life and his own world, but he's looking at some, he sees a possibility. And so rather than just passing by the Bible, Bible says he begins to give care and take care of this man to the point that he didn't just he didn't just help him right there and move on. The Bible says he took him to an end. When he took him to an end, he said, "Here, let me pay you now, and I'm going to come back by in a few days, and I'll pay you even more if I need to, because I realize there's something beyond me." How about, how about this one? Mark chapter 7 verse 25. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. She besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, O oh, dear, precious, wonderful woman, I am so deeply moved with compassion over your need. Let me, let me do whatever I can to help you. <laughs> he says, let the children first be feel, filled. For it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. I probably should get one of you ladies to come help me do this for me. But I just kind of can see her. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Did you call me a dog? How dare you call me a dog? If she had her mirror, she'd have left. But next verse, she said, yeah, I, I see that dog. But I see a whole lot more than that dog. Because even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So I'm not going to get caught up in what I see right now. There's something beyond. I've come to tell somebody today, what you're waiting on is not God to show up and change, fix. 
What you're waiting on is to stop looking at your reflection and start seeing the possibilities of what lies ahead of where God wants to take you. John 4.35, last verse. Say not ye. There are four months and then cometh the harvest. Don't tell me about what you see in the mirror. Don't sit there and tell me about what the reflection is. Don't tell me based on your observation of the reflection. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Go to the window and look on the fields for they are white, ready to harvest. I can stand here all day long and focus about everything that's wrong and what has been and what should be and what's not. Or I can decide, you know what, there's something out there beyond what I can see right now. Who who would have ever thought, who would have ever thought that 50 high school students, who would have ever thought that, I mean, they show up in in a high school classroom. Who would have ever thought that? Who would have ever thought it? I'll tell you who thought it. Somebody that decided, I'm tired of my vision being confined to what is or to what was. There is something else. Oh, hallelujah. There's something Beyond what I see. I won't go so far as with my analogy to do this. Because I might get in trouble with a lot of different people. But I think today somebody individually. And I pray that collectively we get out a hammer. And go to our mirrors. And decide. I'm tired of living with the reflection and the observation of what is and the problems of what are in my life. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. You see, the problem is what's in the mirror doesn't change. Actually, what's in my mirror has changed. It's it's gotten a little broader. It's gotten a little grayer. Four, four creases, yeah, four creases, four creases. I got this, I got this little dark spot up here. I don't know, maybe I should go to the dermatologist. I got this, this, really I just need to go to the Google and check out what it is because I'm sure, I'm sure I can find out from Google what it is. Mm, I thought that was the last verse. I didn't say how much longer I'd preach after the last verse. That was the last verse. Isn't it amazing, based on what we see in the mirror, the source of our information is usually negative. Listen, if you're blessed to have never done it, 
I and I know there's a few others in this room can tell you, do not, do not, do not self-diagnose yourself with Google. Don't do it. I promise you, whatever symptom you have right now, Mr. Google can tell you why you are dying. You are dying. I've told this story before, but several years ago now, I I was having a physical issue and I, I, I went to Google. This is before Google was really Google. I mean, it was just still, you know, developing its reputation as the all-knowing source. And I went and and I I plugged in my symptoms. Like, oh my God, this is this is it. I'm I'm being I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating the love. I'm telling you the honest to God's truth. I'm like, oh my word. So I snuck and made a doctor's appointment. I'm like, I, I can't tell my wife this, man. She, this is going to devastate her. A couple days went by, and I, I mean, this, I, this is all weighing in the back of my mind. And We had some little blow up over something, and, and I'm like, fine. What you don't know is... I've got this going on. And I'm sorry, I've just been living with this bottled up. So, you know, it's not really you, it's this. I went to the doctor. Imagine that, went to the doctor. You're good. Are you kidding it's almost like I wanted validation from my stress. Tell me I'm right. I mean, how stupid is that? Like, are you kidding? I spent the last several weeks in torment. Man, getting my will in order and all the dock, everything in place. Because this is it. That, that's what you get out of the mirror. That's what you get from the mirror. But when I, when I look at this, see there's a reflection, but Paul said it like this. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. Because what I see is temporal. But what's out there? What's out there? There's something beyond temporal. There's something that's eternal. There's something temporal in this mirror. But there's something eternal that when I look through the window, I can see that there's something on the horizon. And I've come to tell Arnold this morning, we're done with the mirror. We're done with the reflection of the mirror. But God has given us a window. And I'm challenging somebody today to quit looking at you, who you are, what you are, and look out there. Stand if you would, please. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. Hmm. What are you looking at this morning? Arnold, what are we looking at this morning? Anybody that's willing to go beyond what is, what I see, to what can be. You brethren that were meeting at 9 o'clock this morning, thank you. Thank you for looking through the window. Thank you. You guys that were meeting, how are we going to take care of the harvest? What are we going to do with the souls God was... Thank you. Thank you for... Oh my. I'm, I'm tired of the m- mirror of an empty back half of this sanctuary. I'm tired of that reflection. I'm, I'm ready to start. You see, this is what we've all done is we've all glimpsed We all glimpse at times through the window. But we get drawn back to the mirror. Why don't we agree today that collectively and individually we are done. You know what you need to see in the mirror? 1 John chapter 3 tells you the only thing you need to see in the mirror. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet (laughs) it does not yet appear what we shall be why do I want to sit around depressed and discouraged by what is when I've been invited to look at what shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him it really doesn't matter where we are today as long as that is what's working in us if you're a guest this morning I would never do anything purposefully to make you uncomfortable and I will not do that purposefully now so you do whatever you're comfortable with. But this morning, I want to give a, I want to get an, give an invitation, especially to those of you that aren't guests today. <laughs> Normally, we focus more on our guests on Sunday morning, but today, I want to focus on the, I want to focus on you that are usually here and. If you're a guest, you are way more than welcome to respond as well. I'd like to give an invitation to those that would join with me today. To say, God, I'm done with the mirror. I'm done with the I'm done being focused on my faults, my failures, my problems, the needs, the lack in my life. I'm tired of that, God. I'm ready to start focusing on where it is you're wanting to take me. If that's you this morning, would you join me at this altar? Would you step out of your seat right now and come down 
to this altar. And would you tell God, tell Him, you can repeat after me if you want to or say it in your own way. God, I'm done with my mirror. I'm done, God, with the reflection of what is and what has been. I'm looking, God, through the window and I see beyond. I see there's something out on the horizon that's different than the circumstances I'm in. Isn't it interesting that when you look in the mirror, what you are seeing is what is behind. When you look in the mirror, what you're seeing is what's behind. But what did the Apostle Paul said say? He said, forgetting, forgetting what is behind. There's no way to look in the mirror and not be reminded of what is behind. But you can look in the window and forget about what's behind and focus on what lies ahead. What is it that lies ahead, brother, right? Well, the scripture says it this way. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has already prepared. Brother Wright, I'm looking through my window, Brother Wright, and I'm just not seeing anything right now. That's all right, keep looking. That's all right, keep looking. I'm not sure what's out there, brother, right? Keep looking. Why? Because Paul also said it like this. We know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You want to know what's out there through your window? You want to know what's out there through your window? It's everything working together for good. Abraham and Sarah could have kept looking at the reflection of old people that they were. Abraham and Sarah could have kept looking at the reflection of where they were. But Paul says it like this in Romans. They were fully persuaded that what God had promised, He was able to perform. That's what's through your window. The reflection of your mirror is a barren womb. The reflection of your mirror is a barren womb. But the vision you see through the window is the fulfillment of God's promises. It's the fulfillment of God's Word. Somebody join me today. I refuse to continue to be depressed 
and oppressed by what I see in the reflection of the mirror. But I'm going to release my faith. I'm going to release my hope in what I can see through the window that God has placed before me. The scripture says, Behold, I have set before you an open door. I think it would be okay to say it this way today. Behold, I have set before you an open window. I'm not diminishing what's going on in your life. I'm not diminishing what the reflection says, but I'm just telling you, that's not all there is to the story. And that's not the end of the story. There's a window. There's a window. The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I will follow you. I will follow you forward. I will follow you forward. I'm forgetting about what's behind. I'm forgetting about what I see as the reflection. And I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm preaching to people today. I know that what you see through your window looks too big. It looks too good. It looks too impossible. But I remind you that with God, all things are possible. In the name of Jesus. Come on. This is somebody's day. This is somebody's day to once and for all forget what's behind and press towards the mark. You don't press towards the mark by looking in your mirror. You don't press to what's ahead by looking in your mirror. If you're going to press for what's ahead, you got to start looking through the window that God has placed before you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you today. I thank you today for what lies ahead of us. I thank you today, God, for what we can see through the window. Thank you for the vision that you've given us. Thank you for the vision you've given individuals in this place. And thank you for the vision you've given us collectively as a body. In the name of Jesus, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow you forward. We're moving forward. We're moving forward.
got some fresh vision for some people in this place today I know there's some of you that you've been just kind of at a standstill for a while but I believe God's got some fresh vision for you today I believe God's going to open your eyes and let you see some new things God's going to show you some new things In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah.